0: So as a 22-year-old student's pastor, I was giving a message on friendship. I was telling a story about how some of my friendships changed after those friends got married. One of the high school guys shouts out, David's single and not ready to mingle. And I thought that was pretty funny. So I was like joking back with him. And as I'm responding to him in the moment, one of the eighth grade girls in the front row shouts out, you should meet my mom. Mind you, I'm 22 years old. So yeah, that was awkward.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, where the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group, find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We have a met, my name is Jonathan Perone, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people.
0: <laughs> Today, is going to be another spicy one. I feel like it's going to be spicy. So, hey people, right now, I'm just going to drop a mother reference right now, and then if you understand oh that reference later on, you can laugh and chuckle
1: uh it's going to go there isn't it
0: <laughs> I, okay so i've I, i've run out of my my typical coffee that i normally get so this is on no coffee so this is this is going to be okay. even better this is all the this is the caffeine of the holy spirit my man
1: you're getting it okay well hey before we get into today's topic there's a quick reminder we are on youtube this season if you want to watch us go ahead you can click the link down in the description of the podcast or you can go to youtube.com slash at unlearning youth group to watch it over there. Subscribe, leave us a comment, let us know you're watching. But for today's topic, uh, this one requires some setup as to why we're talking about it, but I think it's an important thing for us to talk about. So follow along. Yeah. Essentially. This is a part two of an episode that we did last year called can boys and girls just be friends. And ultimately we said that yes, boys and girls can be just friends. And we should normalize non-romantic relationships between young people. That episode was focused mainly on unmarried people in their teens and 20s. But today is going to be focused more on us, the people who are listening to this now that probably are married or are a little older, um, or you, you're getting into more serious relationships as, as you do get older, more so than leading the next generation. And because of that, what happened was last August, a mega church pastor, as Eric would say, friend of the show, friend of the show. Matt Chandler, was, <laughs> he was suspended from his church. And the, if you're not a church nerd like us, you probably don't know the full story, but it's been a, a massive marketing and communication failure with how they've talked about it. But if we take the church at face value and if we give them the benefit of the doubt, here is what happened. Matt Chandler, who is married, he had a friendship with a woman who was also married. (laughs) Chandler's wife. I'm making
0: the sound for all of the like hardcore conservative evangelicals that are like for shame. They already know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this friendship involved text messages or DMs, and Mm. Chandler's wife knew about the messages and the friendship between him and this woman, and she was okay with it but not a Jerry situation. Hus- I almost made the joke. I was going to wait a couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, the woman not a reverse husband- Jerry
0: situation where, where no. Matt's wife is just in the background with the DMs reading them.
1: Third person. <laughs> okay. Got it. The The friend, the woman's husband knew about the friendship and the messages and she was okay with it. But a friend of the woman found out about the messages and was not okay with the relationship and the, messages that were being sent. And so the friend confronted Chandler after a church service and he then took it to his elder board. The Uh. elder board came out and said that the relationships and the messages were not sexual and they were not romantic at all. Yet in his release to the church, Chandler said he was being suspended because of the quote frequency and familiarity of the messages and that they were quote unguarded and unwise. So there are a few words to point out. It's that frequency and familiarity that implies that yep. they routinely message each other and were very comfortable with each other. They were uh-huh. friends. Yep. Well, so he was also, essentially- I think just
0: for other other context too, like he had admitted that maybe there were some like crass jokes and humor. So when I see familiarity, it's like uh he he talked in a way to this person that he would not talk in public you know, that sense of Correct. familiarity, like, Oh, I could say that to you, but I can't say it to other people.
1: Yep. The things, the post show conversations, that Eric right. Yeah. Had, yeah, that yeah. But I mean
0: stuff. that you're right. That implies that they're friends. Cause there are things that you'll say to your friends or, I mean, you know, like, I think just the other day, like you sent me a joke that you're like, Oh, I was thinking about posting that publicly, but I know that like, it's something that only you and I would find funny, you know, or very few right. people. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly right. Or
1: I know your sensibilities are okay with that joke. So right. Yeah. 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 You. You're not going to take like, it. I'm not going to cuss. on we, it's what the reason we we very rarely cuss on this this podcast because we don't know the sensibilities of you, the listener. You might be offended yep. by that. And so we're not going to do that. But yep. to each other, we'll drop some four letter words because they're sure. funny sometimes. <laughs> so if, if we give the church the benefit of the doubt, the way that I interpret the story is that Matt Chandler essentially broke what is known as the Billy Graham, the Billy rule. Graham. Eric, I'm going to let you, <laughs> I
0: was
1: ready for like the I'm Billy Graham.
0: Rule. The Billy...
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah. Billy Graham rule. Okay. So the Billy Graham rule, what most people know it as the Billy Graham rule was really established as part of the Modesto manifesto, which is like when Billy Graham was launching his public ministry. If you haven't read his, his uh, autobiography or his biography, it's, it's great. So you can listen to that and kind of get some more background, but, what we know as the Billy Graham rule was actually part of four agreements in Billy Graham's ministries as the partners were getting ready to establish their specific ministry. And so some of you younger listeners, you might know the the Billy Graham rule as the Mike Pence rule, because during, I don't know if it was during the campaign or something else like that, you know, that was something that famously came out because he followed what we know as the Billy Graham rule. So there were four Billy Graham rules, if you think about it, there was one about money because They were starting this evangelical, you know, televangelist traveling ministry thing, and they wanted to stay above board about money because other uh, evangelists sorry, not evangelicals, evangelists, televangelists and, you know, traveling guys like that were abusing money, passing the plate and taking taking advantage of people. So that was one. The other one was about the local church, because there were a lot of, you know, traveling evangelists that would come in, just trash the local church. And they want to make sure they stayed above board and had really great relationship with the local church, which if you know anything about Billy Graham, if you know anything about his, his ministry. Yeah. He was always lifting up the local church. He didn't want you to follow him around like some kind of carny or something like that. Like be involved hey, can I give a fun church. fact
1: about yeah. that. That toots my own horn. Sure. I built the website for the church that Billy Graham was a member at when he died. Hmm. There you go. Look at that.
0: It's yeah, a, it's so, like the okay. seven degrees, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon and or Billy Graham. <laughs> Uh, the third one, uh, which is actually the fourth one, but I'm skipping the most important one, right, is they had a rule about not exaggerating the numbers because they did notice that, you know, the reporting, they didn't want to do anything that, uh, you know, caused the press to be suspicious. So none of this like uh, modern uh, elevation worship where it's like, hey, we got people that have already been baptized, but they're going to stand up and come to the front that in- encourages other people to start coming, you know, or if you've ever been a part of a, a church church. And it's like, oh, we're going to count the number of hands raised for decisions, or we're going to count the attendance. <laughs> and it was always a little heavy on the old count. You know, we're going to add, you know, or let's, let's add about 10% for the ones that I didn't see, or they put their hand down first. So money, the local church exaggerating the numbers. And then what we know is the Billy Graham rule was about their interactions with members of the opposite sex, because Billy Graham actually wrote uh, that he, he and all the other people in the group, they knew evangelists that have fallen into a t- uh, sexual temptation Because they're traveling all the time and they're away from their families and they're going from, you know, town to town and they're spending long periods of time away from their wife. So that's what came up as to be known as the Billy Graham rule. We're not sitting here focusing on like money, the local church or exaggerating our numbers. We're focused on the Billy Graham rule.
1: And it came out of a very specific situation responding to very specific actions that had happened. So it was very contextualized. And it essentially said that married men should avoid spending time alone with women they are not married to, as a means of avoiding sexual temptation or any appearance of doing something that might be considered morally objectable. They used In the context so
0: they used, of, just just sort of, They used Second Timothy one twenty two, which talks about you know fleeing youthful lusts. That was kind of their cornerstone verse: flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord of a pure heart. So that was kind of their proof texting to say, this is, this is why it's important.
1: And in the context of traveling around the country and other televangelists having moral failures and going outside their marriage, that was hurting the way people were listening to or considering the church. This made sense. But what has happened is in the time since then we took a, and we being the, the church at large, took an idea for a specific time and a specific reason and have applied that across the board. And we now say that men and women can't be friends or married men cannot be friends with a woman who is not his spouse. And we've taken that so far that this entire situation with Matt Chandler, essentially he broke the Billy Graham rule and was suspended for a few months because of that. Yeah. And there's, there's a thread, Eric, I sent you last week on Twitter of this guy railing against why men and women can't be friends. And there, I was amazed by the amount of people who were agreeing with it and how viscerally they were agreeing with it and saying that yeah. uh, they, they were calling people who, men who had female friends that weren't their spouse, they were calling them fools. Yep. And it, it's an age old debate. Can men and men, married men be friends with someone of the opposite sex outside their marriage. And here's yeah. what I find really interesting. Logically, this question goes both ways. Can married women be friends with men who are not their husband, but that's never asked. No one inside the church ever assumes that if a woman is a friends with a man who is not her husband, that's something nefarious is going on. It's only the opposite direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is weird because it's, it's Villa. It, the weird thing is it's like, it's vilified the woman on either side you know it's like the man is stupid but the woman could be that uh you know that it could it could be that Jezebel situation it's like she's going to tempt you or anything else like that and i and i think when we talk about this what ends up getting lost is we say can men in general can every man be friends with every woman who's not their spouse and that's what's so tough because i think when we talk about like we'll get into the good and the bad but i think we lose it in a lot of different areas that we've talked about this season specifically mm-hmm. you know because i, I would say Can can Eric specifically be friends with every woman who's not my spouse? No, I cannot. In fact, specifically at one of the churches I was working with, there have been other women that I'm like, I will tell my wife specifically, I'm intentionally trying to avoid her because that does not seem like a healthy friendship because of the way that she talks about these things or anything else. Like, sure, right? Like, that is great. Nor do I want to be friends with every woman. But there's a, you know, there's a difference between um, <laughs> Okay, all right, I'll go into the story. So we used to lock up at at one of the churches that I that I worked at, you know, because we'd be working late and we'd be locking up and anything else like that. And that was one of the things where it's like if you and it was like one other member of the opposite sex, and if you were alone, somebody else had to stay or somebody had to leave before you did, or it, it got really weird, which we'll talk about why that's a problem in the future. But for some reason, there was uh, a woman who was overseeing uh, our Community care, you know, so the one that would send the flowers to the hospitals and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. She was amazing. She was, I have no idea how old she was. She was old enough to be my grandmother. And for some reason, she, she was essentially grandmothered in on this rule where it didn't matter. If I was closing (laughs) up alone with any other woman, it was not okay. But if I was closing up alone and she was there and I don't want to name her, but the people that have worked with me, they know, they know who she is. It was like, nobody cared. And so, even then, there's like this little like we we even excuse that because it's like, oh, you can be alone with that woman. That's fine, no big deal, because right? she's
1: not a sexual temptation. We're, we're yes. judging a woman based on her exactly. age and yep. probably looks. Oh, yes. that woman's not a sexual temptation, so you can yeah. be alone, alone with she's her. She's
0: fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or on the opposite side, which we'll talk about why this is bad. It's like. uh, You know, uh, Eric would have to be really bad to want to, you know, do something on that. You know, it's like, oh, God, either way, you're you are dehumanizing the two people involved when talking about this.
1: Yep. And before we move into the good and the bad, I do want to just set this out on the front end. I've been really purposely trying to use more scripture this season than in past ones, because one of the biggest questions or feedback that I've gotten over the past few years is, uh, people asking where I got an idea from in scripture, so I've been trying to throw those things out more this season. But I'm not going to do that this episode because there is scripture to proof text that this is a good idea and it's a bad idea, and I think it's in bad faith for me to try and pick and choose text to back up my argument. I yep. could have done that. I actually started out doing that, and then I got into it. And I felt icky because I'm like, no way, like, like this is that this isn't right. So uh, we're, we're not going to do that in this episode. We're, we're going to talk more socially, more like psychologically, sociology, and with faith as the backbone of that. So if you want to dive in more scripture, you can send me a message, but uh, we're not going to do a ton of that in this episode. As we move forward, Eric, what did we get right about applying the Billy Graham rule outside of his organization? What was the good intention underlying that?
0: Yeah, I appreciate we go right into the right after you just uh, opted out every single one of our like Theo bro people that are like, oh, you're not going to scripture to back it up. Well, then I'm out because this isn't going to whatever. Anyway, so what did we get right? You know, Theo bro, stay in here. Um, I think, you know, if we if we think about what the Billy Graham rule is trying to do, I, I intention, you know, go for the intention of that. They had seen a bunch of people that they knew in their same position that were disqualified from ministry which is another you know evangelical buzzword disqualified from ministry because of affairs that have happened because emotional affairs had led to actual physical intimacy type of affairs and it's like was it wise it's wise for to to put those guardrails in place i think in general there's a there is a wisdom guardrail to say hey it's probably not a great idea for you to intentionally put yourself in positions where um you might be tempted.
1: Yeah. That's that's a wise thing to do. Right? Co- because if we're honest with each other, close relationships, close friendships between men and women outside of marriage can very easily get to places they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in previous episodes, this idea of guardrails versus roadblocks But you can do something that is not biblically wrong or sinful over and over and over and then find yourself very quickly one step away from something that's absolutely wrong. You can say, hey, this thing, like us going to dinner together, that's not wrong. Like we're working together. We're hungry. It makes sense. Right. Then we got to go back to the office and we got to finish working. That's not wrong either. But then you do this over and over and over and you're at an office late at night together and you're tired and you've been sharing things and probably like with each yeah. other and you're really close to something that's going to be really wrong. Well, by and, doing and to that, that point too. Like what,
0: what you said, like in general, we work together. Hey, let's go grab lunch and then come back in general for most people in most situations. Fine. But there are situations where it's like, that may not be okay. And I think, you know, you've got some examples, but for me personally, if there are situations where my wife says, Hey, you know What? I don't feel comfortable with this interaction that you have with this person, or I don't feel comfortable in this situation, or if there's anything that I'm doing that's making my wife suspicious of anything. Obviously, we got to work that through. But like personally, me as me as Eric, not saying it works for everybody. I'm going to go above and beyond to say, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that my wife feels confident? I mean, for instance, I work at home. I'm at home all day all by myself. I'm a big boy. I can handle myself. I'm at home all day. But like, what are some protections that we're putting in place to make sure that my wife feels comfortable while she's at work? You know. And so those are some different things and in interactions. It's like, she hasn't said anything, but it's like, we got a ring doorbell camera. She knows every time somebody comes near our house. So it's like, she knows if I'm leaving, she knows I'm good. Gonna... Not that she looks at it, but it's like, there's some things that like for us in our individual situation, there are guardrails. Maybe yeah. Maybe it makes more sense to establish those guardrails Essentially for peace of mind more than anything else.
1: And one of the places that I think the Billy Graham rule really helps is a place that we don't talk about a lot when it comes to marriages, and that's emotional affairs. Yeah. Because we focus on physical affairs, but emotional affairs are affairs are what leads to the physical affair most of the time. There's studies that estimate between fifty and seventy percent of all emotional affairs eventually lead to physical affairs. And personally, my wife has told me that she thinks if I were to have an emotional affair with someone, that would be more hurtful to her than if I were to have a physical affair. And I don't know, I I can't make a a global statement that all women feel that way. But in my situation that having that conversation with her, it's like, okay, there does need to be a guardrail in place so that I don't get anywhere close to emotional affair. That doesn't mean I can't be friends or friendly, but I can't, like I have to protect against that because those things happen very easily amongst friendships, amongst like minded people who spend time together. So protecting yourself and your marriage from that is extremely important to do. And I think the Billy Graham rules started as something to do that.
0: So for some people, they, I really love that you brought up this idea of like physical affair is, is obvious, but that's not it. I mean, cause like physical affair. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't have to be a situation where like tab a goes into slot B for that to be crossing the line for some people. (laughs) I mean, it could be more than that where an emotional affair could actually be either just as damaging or more damaging, or at least don't say that like, well, it's okay. And you know, you've brought it up in other situations before, but the idea of like a work wife, you know, my work wife Mm -hmm. is back here, but behind me laying down on her dog bed, you know, my, my dog Luna. But that's the type of thing where what happens is you end up, right. Well, you end up getting into these situations, like maybe what a Chandler did, which again, it's, it's not sexual, but it's maybe unwise. And so for other things, guardrails, like my wife has every password of everything on my phone. You know, she never, ever goes into it or looks on it. There's no like, there's no sense of word surveying each other. But the bottom line is if she wanted to see what my DMs look like, she could look into my DMs. She wants to see all my text messages, Absolutely. all the photos I've taken. Uh, my computer here is not password protected. Anytime she wanted, she could say, Hey, you know what? I got to, I, I need to ask. And it's not because like, Oh, I need her checking on me. But again, it's that, um, I don't know if you had this rule growing up, but for me, when I was growing up, uh, especially in high school, if I had a girl over, the door had to be open in my room, or we weren't mm-hmm. allowed to be in my room, you know, those sorts of things. They're okay. Like, as a parent, you immediately get that. They're like, that doesn't stop them from doing things, but of course, that makes it more transparent. Um, and so, having those guardrails is a good idea, at least to just be like, hey, you know, that's that could also reveal um, an initial step leading towards an emotional affair. Cause all of a sudden, if I start password protecting something or I download a new messenger app that she doesn't know about right now, are those the small, tiny steps towards, I'm going to start talking to somebody and continue, yeah. a uh, you know, an emotional relationship.
1: Yep. And I will get into the details of those type of things when we figure out where we go from here. But now that we've talked about what was good about the Billy Graham rule, let's talk about what was bad. Because there have been some bad implications and some bad things that have happened because of that. And the thing I would lead with is that it makes an assumption that a lot of the things we're unlearning this season are true. It assumes that everyone is wired the exact same way. So we have to put in the same hard and fast rules for everyone. Every person is tempted in the same way by the same thing. And so this rule has to apply to everyone. Every marriage has the exact same issues. And so they have to follow the exact same rules. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is with so many other things we've been talking about, it puts in roadblocks instead of putting in guardrails. Yep. And it creates issues that are, that wouldn't, in an attempt to help an issue It causes more issues that are just as harmful in different ways.
0: Yeah. 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 And I think the other thing is that I really didn't even think about it until very recently, especially as we're talking about this, it almost hides deeper relational issues. Okay. Here's what I mean by that. If, if we are, if our family is a hard and fast, Mike Pence, Billy Graham, you know, can only eat dinner with mother type of (laughs) rule family. (laughs) then what that might do is it might hide the fact that maybe our communication between spouses isn't that great. Because what's yep. it's a little bit different for me to be able to say, hey, um, uh, I don't know, like this is happening. I know this person, this is going on. Like having an open conversation around it because it's a guardrail instead of a rule. Because when you put a rule in there and you're like, oh, though, well, I just know that this is the rule and they're not going to break it. So the only answer you have which if you go back to the whole meaning of guardrails Andy Stanley's series way back when it's to prevent you guardrails stop you from falling into danger and so if the Correct. only answer is either uh where no danger or danger there there's nothing in between to help stop you from getting there which means like it it doesn't require conversation whereas now since my wife and I don't have like a hard and fast Billy Graham rule it's great conversation hey I'm going out here's who I'm going out with this is what I'm doing you know and all that sort of thing because I'm just open or, Hey, I want to let you know, I'm not really, I don't want, I don't feel comfortable interacting with this person that often um, because you know, this or that or the other, like it opens up conversations. And I can also ask her too, like, Hey, are you sure you're comfortable with me doing this or engaging in that? And so now I'm, I'm opening conversation instead of l- lying on this rule. But really there are, there are, um, if you think about the people that, that are Billy Graham rule haters, so to speak, They bring up, uh, three different issues. Issue number one, it prevents people from doing their jobs or living their life. So if you can't have a, uh, if you can't have a friend that's a member of the opposite sex, or specifically if you can't be around them, then like at church and ministry, or if you're, if you're working and you're a Christian with a deeply held belief, it can be impossible to lead as a manager, a group of mixed gendered individuals. Uh, I even think today I went to the doctor. My doctor, uh, I was in, I was in the room alone with the nurse and the nurse practitioner, both of whom we're women. And it's like, that would be impossible to live life that way for most people, or you make it extremely difficult.
1: Uh, second, another version of that. Here's another version of that real quick. So we're contractually obligated to say we work in marketing. Yep. And so one of the things that happens with that is people want to work with us to help them make their businesses better. Yeah. And back when I lived in Knoxville, there were multiple times that a woman who I knew would reach out to me and say, Hey, can you help me with this thing for my business? And we, because we lived in the same town, we would want to meet up at a coffee shop or a Panera or whatever it might be to talk through what this could look like or to give ideas. It was before the pandemic. So zoom wasn't as big of a thing. Yeah, And we would have these conversations. And if we lived by a, a hard and fast Billy Graham rule. I couldn't have those conversations in those public places because I didn't want people to possibly think, well, why is he having lunch with another woman who's his age? It isn't his wife. Yep. That's one of the, one of the things that Billy Graham rule protects against my wife knew about it. Right. And I made sure she was comfortable with me going to lunch with that person. But I said, Hey, this is what we're talking about. This is where we will be. This is what we are doing. Yeah. And it would have kept me from helping another small business owner if I couldn't meet with her on her own, because yeah. we would have had to find someone else to come be our third wheel chaperone right? while we ate lunch at Panera.
0: And that, you know, that was so tough, like as a youth pastor or as a student ministry pastor, like you couldn't give rides to anybody. You couldn't like all of that was just so mm-hmm. tough. And yeah, I mean, even if someone was broken down or, uh, you know, if it's raining or anything like that, like no emergency situation would be okay for that. The other side is like my, um, other than my wife and my dad, like my wife, my dad, and my sister are like my best friends. Like I talk to them about everything. My sister and I are very close. My sister is seven years younger than me. She's about, she's a little taller than my wife and blonde, like my wife. And so it's like, anytime I would be driving around where my sister and I would be going somewhere, you know, to the gym or, or wherever. Right. It's like at the, one of the churches that I were laughing laughing with this
1: With this blonde chick in your car, who's younger than your wife, what are people going to think?
0: That you're comfortable with, right? Because she's my sister. You know what I mean? Like we grew up doing sports and everything else like that. And all of a sudden now you start getting like, oh, who is Eric with? And it's like, do it. We have to have like a blood test. Well, first of all, she's adopted. So blood (laughs) tests wouldn't matter anyway. But like, do you have to have like a blood (laughs) test or a DNA test to be like, oh, I'm allowed to hang around with this person because, and how far does it go? Can you hang around with your aunt? I've seen other people that literally they will post online. They're like, you should not be hanging out with anyone
1: other than your spouse, including your aunt. Let me jump in real quick. I think most of us would say that, of course, you can hang out with your sister. But people who follow the Billy Graham rule, if they see you in public with someone, they're making a judgment because of that. So what this does, another bad piece of this is, it causes us to think the worst in people yes. and automatically assume that something nefarious is going on because yep. two people who may be married to someone else are meeting together for lunch or coffee or somewhere in public together. Exactly. Yeah. Or, and I mean, or here, here's, here's another version of that. We mentioned here: my wife is a nurse. Her work hours are crazy, right? I go to the park with my kids so that they can play on the playground. Yep. And I'm there with another mom who I am friends with because I've known her since high school. We didn't plan to go there together. We just happened to show up at the same time. And we're sitting on a park bench together while our kids are playing. And we're having an adult conversation because God only knows parents value adult conversations when they're with their kids all the time. Yeah. The Billy Graham rule would say that is inappropriate. Yeah. And that that should not be happening because people might think Yep. something else is going on, or it might look like something else is going on if we sat on a park bench together in public with someone who was not my wife. Yeah. We end up elevating perception over reality, which yes, perception is important
0: because people's perception becomes a reality. I understand that. But what that also does is it inadvertently feeds into some of our church cover-up problem. Where it's like, well, what did it look like? What did yes. it seem like? What do we act like? Instead of finding the facts and waiting and be slow to judgment, right? You should be slow to judgment, slow to make that judgment on, on what it should be. So yeah, I 100% agree. In fact, side note, um, speaking to uh, last week, was the last week's episode? Speaking to purity culture issues, I want to know, is that kind of like the, uh, the male version? Like we joke about wearing gray sweatpants. But more so as a male, if you if you're if you're going to the park (laughs) with your kids and maybe a puppy, right? And you're actually like well groomed, are you thirst trapping at that point? So maybe I don't know. Maybe men, we need to be a little bit more modest when taking our kids to the park and not seem like such good fathers and good human beings, okay? Because you don't want your sisters in crisis. Wouldn't want to
1: tempt the other moms.
0: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I just (laughs) okay. Moving on. So the second thing that it does, and I think you mentioned a little bit before, but it perpetuates this narrative that people are unable to control themselves from acting on sexual impulses. And in fact, during the Mike Pence thing, um, uh, Caitlin Beatty, which she's an author and an editor at, uh, I don't know, at the Brazos Press. Anyway, she wrote this. She said, the Pence rule, which is a Billy Graham rule, the Pence rule arises from a broken view of the sexes. Men are lustful beasts that must be contained while women are objects of desire that must be hidden away. Offering the Pence rule as a solution to male predation is like saying, I can't meet with you one-on-one. Otherwise I might eventually assault you. <laughs> if that's the case, we have far deeper problems around men and power than any personal conduct rule can solve. So that's going back to your, your is like it, it's not like every single man is, has this issue. And it's also not like every single woman who's meeting with a married man wants to go out and be an adulteress and like steal steal some
1: man away. Right. Not, um, not, every, not every woman's a harlot, Eric. Not every woman wants to go out and break up other marriages and break up her own marriage. Exactly.
0: So then the other thing is it can systematically uh, deprive women of access, of power and of agency. So obviously if it's hard to do your job, you think about it, that was the big pushback against the whole Pence thing is like if he can't take meetings with women by themselves, then that means that they don't have the same sort of access to someone uh, in power. So they don't have the same sort of access to maybe promotions. They don't have that same sort of access to moving up. So women just don't get that same access when we have this Billy Graham rule in play. And for our society right now, because the majority of managers, of CEOs, of anything else like that, are male. uh, Let's say lead pastors are male that naturally creates a disadvantage for women um, in workplaces even. And so that's where partially wrong. So I'll, I'll just summarize all this is Daniel Strickland, who's like one of my favorite speakers. She said to create safe boundaries for your life and ministry is a good idea, but taking the ones created for a specific set of circumstances at a certain point in time for a specific person and applying them to your life and ministry today is unhelpful. And in today's world, it's actually harmful to women. So I love that she said that because that's, that's my whole thesis on this issue is can men and women be friends? Yes. Can every man be friends with every woman? No. Should we create a rule because of certain individual situations? No. Like do the work to actually create boundaries and guardrails in your own personal life. So Jonathan, how the heck do we move forward from here?
1: Well, I joked before we started that this season and last season has kind of been like the tagline to our show. Should we make nuance great again? <laughs> because that, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here, because don't this try is to a sound that topic. out
0: on a hat. Like it's not MAGA. <laughs> don't do the MAGA version of that. Cause I tried it a couple of times and I I'll get canceled for that for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 I just realized what that was.
0: Yep. Like. Uh-huh. Yeah. You just did it in your head. Yeah. I did.
1: <laughs> yeah. You got canceled in your head. Way to go. Okay. Before we move on, I got to tell a quick story. <laughs> the church I worked at was called Two Rivers Church. And we did, our, our, our abbreviation was Two, the number two RC. Yeah. And we did an event with high school and mi- middle school ministry together. And when we did that, we would put, we would call it Two Rivers Church Student Ministries. And when we went in color, it was fine. I would do 2RC in one color and SM in another color. Okay. Well, we did a worship night one time, and I, I very quickly threw together a 2RC SM graphic to throw on the back screen, but it was all in white. And I didn't realize what it was saying. I, I didn't notice this until one of our other volunteers saw it and legit uh-huh. started laughing. And I didn't know uh-huh. why. He's like, read that. Yeah. Now imagine it's a license plate cuz I still didn't get it. Yeah. I put two racism on the back of a church yeah. wall. Well, and in that era couple. that
0: was probably really uh you know that was part of the era of like removing vowels to make make right. things uh you know like reverb was RVB or whatever you know what yeah. I mean.
1: RVRB r v r b r uh, v r b yeah Yeah. So funny. that's just a funny little story. But mo- how where do we go from here? We put this episode right here for a very specific reason. Two weeks ago in our our episode about alcohol, we talked about how each of us have different temptations and triggers that we have to be aware of and protect ourselves against. Your temptation may not be my temptation and my temptation may not be yours. And so it's not as much about right or wrong in this case as it is wise and unwise. Right. And then last week we talked about pursuing biblical sexual integrity. That means that we chase the ideals God has laid before us sexually. So with those two things in mind, Eric, we get to play our favorite new game. Is it sinful, sinful stupid, stupid, or, or acceptable, acceptable?
0: With self-control. self-control.
1: So there is a line that you can cross with a friend that is absolutely sinful. Uh-huh. That is that emotional affair that is wrong. There are things in a friendship that can be stupid and can lead you to places that are sinful. But ultimately, most relationships with members of the opposite sex are going to be acceptable with self-control. The friendships, like we've mentioned before, they need to be out in the open. Your spouse should know about them. They should know about the conversations you have. They should be comfortable with the relationship. If your spouse is not comfortable with the relationship, your allegiance should be to your spouse. You are to love your spouse above all everyone else except for Jesus. You're to sacrifice your desires for them. If your spouse is uncomfortable with the relationship with someone, regardless of the gender, but especially with the opposite gender, you owe it to them to listen to the concern. Yep. My wife, her dad had multiple affairs when she was younger. Uh, it came to a head when she was in middle school and it led to her parents getting divorced and some really hard times and some things that she's still having to unpack and therapy and other stuff from that. And because of that, she's naturally concerned about that happening. And her mind goes there in ways that someone without that past, like my, my parents, I I don't know of any type of affairs or anything like that in their past. So my mind doesn't even go there a lot of times, but hers does because of her past experience. And as her husband, I owe it to her to do everything I can to make sure she's comfortable with the friendships I have. It's a way for me to sacrifice and to serve for her out of my love for her. And as I was getting ready for this episode, I was, I was trying to do some research and I came across an article that was written by a guy named Greg Smalley and it was written for focus on the family.
0: So he disagreed, right? He was like, totally.
1: I I thought he would absolutely disagree because it was focused on the family. That's But I was shocked that he actually agreed with the point that I just made, and he wrote a really great quote in that article that said, if your spouse raises concerns, you might think about it this way. You can be a great driver, but it still doesn't hurt to have a car with anti-lock brakes. You can be a talented woodworker, but you should still wear safety glasses when you're working with a lathe. And it's the same with opposite sex friendships. Safety first. So, like you mentioned earlier, Eric, your spouse should have access to the text messages that you send. They should be able to see them at any time. And that's not a matter of control or not trusting. It's simply not hiding things from your spouse yeah. because you love them more than your relationship with the friend.
0: And I'll say and this too: if like, you're uncomfortable in our, in our conversation about hiding other issues. Uh, for some people, are like, "Oh man, my you know my husband would take advantage of that and would be spying on me, or my wife would be all up in my business." friends that is a different issue that is a, it, yes that is a different issue don't go oh no i can't give them you know i can't leave it password i can't give them the passwords because they'd abuse it uh bro that is a problem that you need that's to work that's an issue out. for another
1: day right
0: with your spouse that does not give you license to like uh not have a guardrail in place that's like saying you know what i can't wear a seatbelt cuz it kind of cuts into my
1: neck right here a little bit it's like no because that's a if i were problem. to get into a wreck it could chop my head off yeah, right. That's why I'm not going to wear a seatbelt. What? Come on. Like, again, make nuance great again. Let's understand that not every situation can be applied to everything. But in right. general, we, we should be comfortable letting our spouse in on these relationships. And if yeah. you're not comfortable letting them in, then that should raise some red flags about whether you've moved into the stupid or sinful portions of this game. Yeah. Or if you have deeper seated relationship issues with it, your
0: that's the thing. I mean, Jonathan, honestly, if my wife wants to see the dumb text messages you and I send back and forth, like, yeah, man,
1: I'm <laughs> going to be more embarrassed by she, she'd probably be like, what do you do all day? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I'll give you some examples. I have a friend who is a former church staffer as well. It's a female. And we are pretty closely tied on political issues. And she cares about politics in a way that my wife doesn't care about politics. Yeah. So we have a relationship where we can talk about church things and we can talk about politics in a way that my wife just doesn't care. Yep. And so we talk about those things. I'll be glad to let my wife see every single one of those text messages. Yeah. But it's a conversation that my wife doesn't want to know about or excuse me, that, uh, yeah. she doesn't want to be a part of sure, yeah. because she it's, it's, not, it's not, something she is interested in. And right. I can have a friend who has a common Thing that we're interested in that we talk about together, or I have friends that I knew from Liberty who I knew I was friends with before my wife and I got together. I'm not going to be someone that tells you you have to kill off all your past friendships. No, just put a guardrail around it.
0: Well, and that's the other thing is like I've heard this argument before, so I'm in the same situation where like I've got two or three either former coworkers or friends or you know whatever you want to call them like that are women that, uh, are really good copywriters or really good idea people, or, you know, really good in the industry that I'm in that I'll go back and forth and I'll, you know, chat with like, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Do you have any ideas for this? I'm looking for that. And they're just really great to bounce stuff off of. So the hardcore Billy Graham rule person or the hardcore, like men and women can't be friends would say, well, Eric, wouldn't it be just wiser to find a male version of that? Okay. Maybe talent was talent. Well, let's go all the way back to, let's go all the way back to what's wrong. That prevents people from doing work. Uh, Problem with the first issue. The second issue is like, if you have that big of a problem, maybe that's an issue for you. And then the third problem, I'm like, now what conversations, and I'm not saying like I'm, you know, access to power, but what conversations am I now preventing those very talented people from being involved in? If I'm like, nope, can't talk to you because I'm disqualifying you from, from those conversations because you're women. Or here's another one,
1: Eric, I know your wife's a teacher and you handle the morning stuff before school Uh with your kids all the time. I handle the, the, the morning things, the drop-offs, the pickups from daycare. I do the baths, a lot of showers, a lot of times, a lot of those things that are traditional wife, mother roles, the way our marriage works out and our family works out is I do a lot of those. So I relate a lot to the stay-at-home mom social media content. Oh yeah. Or those type of things. So when I see a friend of mine who is a mom post similar things, I will joke with her about that because it's a shared life experience. Right. That my wife just doesn't have. Right. Because of the way our family is set up. Right. And to say I can't have be, I can't have those type of friendly relationships that I think that's stupid. Right. Quite frankly, like again, I,
0: to say you can't is stupid. Yeah. So there might be somebody out there. That's like, sure. If, if sexual sin is your
1: well, main, hey, you primary, know who I'm not going to have those conversations with ex-girlfriends. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. and people I've had intimate relationships with in the past. Right. I'm not going to continue that relationship exactly. in the same way. Like if they ever cross the line from friend to something more, I'm not going back to that out of respect yeah. for my, my wife, yeah. because that, that is stupid. It's not quite sinful yet, but it is stupid. Well, and that's and what so my I'm not going to go there. We
0: established this early in our relationship was like, Hey, if we have marital problems, who are we not going to go to? We're not going to go to people that are not supportive of our marriage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so there might be guardrails there where you set. And I've heard some people are like, I don't talk to people who are who are divorced about my marital issues. I don't talk to people who I've been you know, interested in, in the past about my marital issues. Cause again, that's, that's another area. So I would be very cautious sure to that. talk
1: to a woman about my marital issues as well. Sure. Yeah. In general, because, yeah. because of how, how slippery that could be. And yep. that's how my wife's father, his affairs started multiple times, right? confiding in someone, helping someone go through something. And so I know right away, that's a red flag for my wife. She's uncomfortable with, and I know it's a stupid situation to put myself in because I'm talking to a female about things that are wrong in my relationship. So summarize it all. It's not,
0: it's like some of these things are stupid for you or for me or for someone else, but that's where that open and honest conversation. If you are married with your spouse needs to come in. And you talk about those things. You need to do what's best for your marriage and your situation and even your season. Cause there might be seasons where, uh, you're, you know, guys where your wife is pregnant or postpartum. And it's mm-hmm. like, there might be more sensitivity around what, I don't know, what Instagram people you follow, what you're looking yep. at, what you're any of that stuff that maybe in honor of her and her current situation needs to be tightened up or needs to be guardrailed a little bit more than in other situations. Like you have to do what's best for you and your situation.
1: So ultimately to, to answer the title of this episode, can married people be friends with someone of the opposite sex? My answer to that is a resounding. Yes, you can be friends with someone of the opposite sex. Now, should you be and to what level you should be? That's between you and your spouse based on your own sensibilities Temptations and past life experience in a way that is self-sacrificing and elevating the feelings of your partner above your own. Yep. So I can't tell you yes or no. That's up to you. Just like I can't tell you whether or not you can drink alcohol, that's up to you and your sensibilities. This whole idea of sinful, stupid, or acceptable with self-control, it started as a joke, but it's really a framework that you can. Take this entire conversation through to figure out, should you be friends with this person of the opposite sex once you are married? Perfect. So that's it for this week. Next week, we're going to be taking the last few episodes and stacking them on top of each other to answer the question, when do we allow others to live in sin versus when do we step in and speak into issues that we see? For now, though, rate us and review us wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe and give us a comment on YouTube if you're watching us there. Share this episode with a friend if you found it interesting. If you have feedback or comments or questions, you can get in touch with us at hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. Eric is at Eric W 712 on all the major platforms. I am at Jonathan underscore Carone on them as well. If you want to get your merch or if you have a funny or awkward youth group story, You can send those and buy those at unlearningyouthgroup.com. But as always, thanks for making us a part of your day. And we will talk to you again next week.